something. Oh, did you want washed. me to start? Yeah, if you could What's start. What's our topic? Well, that's that's this is the super casual super podcast. Okay. Uh, Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. Today we are excited to have Nick. Uh, you made a face. Is it not recording properly? No, no, it's just recording fine. It's just fine. Oh, are you fine. are you paying attention to something else no, no, while it's, we it's are just, in a it's podcast? Just bleeding a little. Oh, bit. It's bleeding onto yours. Okay, no yeah. big deal. Okay, I was just wondering if you were on, you know, reading all the Discord. This is chats. Already off the rails. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. Hello again. and welcome Hold to on, Room starting Escape again when I'm not Divas. Talking. Sorry. Wow. Well, I can't help but that you keep talking while I try to do the introduction. Guys, this is this is really competent. I'm really really excited for the rest of this, con- this podcast. This is like Hello. this is solid workmanlike beginning. I can't I can't wait to see how bad this can get. I, for one, am most really interested in what really happened in 9/11. Let's begin, Errol. My name is Errol, and this is Man Pants, and we should do a proper introduction because nobody knows who that person was that was just talking. Of course, if you read the introduction, you'll see that it's Nick Moran. So hello, and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. Today we are excited because we have Nick Moran to talk about escape rooms casually. And this is you casual know, because, because no one, no one seems to want to have happily, a topic. <laughs> I will happily just start the introduction without waiting for anybody. So that's how it's always going to be now. I know. It's, uh, I just wanted to note that for every other podcast, you said we're super excited. But for Nick, you just said we're excited. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, 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 already that, calling correct. that out. That's appropriate. <laughs> I, if you were too excited, I'd be extremely upset. <laughs> What about excruciatingly excited? Is that a good adjective? It sounds painful. I'm in. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. It reminds me of the time I was waterboarded. But anyway, let's continue. Oh, yeah. That whole thing that I saw that photo on Facebook. I was like, oh, yeah. You're looking at Nick's photos. Yeah. We're Facebook. Of him being tortured. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man pens. Well, he posted them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if anybody doesn't know who Nick Moran is, well, he's been around. For a long time, we've actually had him. <laughs> cool. Okay, that that feels that feels very insulting about my sexual proclivities. Um, we've had him on the podcast, if you remember, for one of our for when the game is now opened up in London. He is a game designer, an escape room designer, and an all around swell and sarcastic guy. So that's why I like him a lot. However, maybe you could tell us a bit more about yourself, Nick, in case this is the first time. Anyone has heard of you, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I totally suspect it is the first time anyone listening to this has heard of me. So uh, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, in 1986, I was born, um, and which is quite a long time ago. I spent a long time as a child, uh, 18 years, in fact, until I came to adulthood. After adulthood, uh, after a while, I found these things called escape rooms, and uh, I helped co-found a company called Time Run which was based in East London, was now well known for uh, attention to detail in terms of sets and environments, uh, very classically structured storytelling. Uh, uh, after a couple of years there, we had an opportunity to create uh, Sherlock The Game Is Now with Hartwood Films. That's Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, which is an attraction slash escape room hybrid that's still operating in West London until the coronavirus hit when it, of course, is no longer operating to save people's lives. So I salute you, Sherlock. The game is now. Uh, I left the company last year 
to go freelance and now I operate and work on a variety of projects, most of which involve intellectual property because people think I'm an expert in that. I, I am, but they have no evidence that <laughs> so I am. So bonus, bonus that it, it just happens to be true. It happens to be true, but they have no evidence that it's true. And I'm really <laughs> glad that the world is credulous. Um, no, I know. Uh, and so now I work on all manner of projects, great and small, some VR projects, some projects with sort of movie studios, some projects with TV studios, so many of which will undoubtedly never see the light because you know what's really fun? Working on things that might never exist. That's my life. And now I exist inside one flat in uh, sort of central East London, uh, waiting out this pandemic, which has destroyed the global events industry. You know, the funny thing is, is when you said that you were born in 1986 and I thought to myself, oh, is he already starting to be sarcastic? And then I thought, wait a minute. No, I'm just That's old. a long time ago. That's Errol. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago. That's in the 80s. <laughs> Somebody I mean, actually, that's, my, that's in my birth year. In fact, I'm many thousands of years old. Okay. And I've, and I've wandered the earth forever in search of my true meaning and I will that, never find so it. So that's when you were born as, as Nick Moran, your current incarnation, I guess. I've had countless lives. Yeah. Yeah, countless. Uh, I, I've forgotten more than I could ever remember, which is quite tragic in a way. So well, many loves I'll never recall. general state. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That's yeah. accurate. So it's Errol either nice. has the happiest life or the saddest life in the world. It's true. Everything is new. Everything <laughs> constantly new. Every That's time just... I'm on the, we have an enthusiast meetup, and every time somebody tells me where they're from, it's like exciting for me every time. <laughs> we, we spent 45 minutes last time of the enthusiast meetup uh, just having people talk about where they're from, and each and every time... Like, I think one in three we had already knew, technically, but each and every time Errol was shocked uh, about where they were from. I just forget. Yeah. I just don't know where anybody lives. Well, yeah. you know, the great, the great thing is, is what a life full of joy and discovery. It Often is! rediscovery, but it's a, it's a way to live. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't oh recommend it. <laughs> so, well, on our casual chat, what... Uh, do we have a direction for this casual chat? People who are staring this project, uh, this this project, this project, this podcast that's also now a project. It is a project. Technically, it's a project, a yeah. five-year-long project that. Yeah. Uh, has... It also might be a project that nobody ever sees as well or listens oh, to. That's <laughs> is, that, to is that true? How many I, listeners do you have? I have listeners? no idea. We have no idea. I, I have no idea. I went to a podcast like conference and that was the whole thing. Like every other podcaster there first was shocked to hear that I had a podcast that had been running for five years and and then shocked even more when I had no clue about my listenership, uh, any stats whatsoever. And, and that I hadn't taken advantage of some crazy sponsorship opportunity yet uh, in my very niche market. So, yeah. Uh, and I do work on the marketing team at my day job. And so I understand the fact that there are no analytics would drive my manager <laughs> up the wall, right? The fact that there are, we have no analytics about our podcast. But it's just for us, it's like, oh, well. Well, it's also we don't really have access to them. That's right? true. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we would have, How to, come? have to. We would, because it's currently on Squarespace and we would actually have to move it somewhere. We would actually have to put in a lot of, uh, you know, probably all the, the links in order to make it accessible so we can find out who is downloading it and things like that. And Squarespace doesn't exactly have a great analytics page. All I can find out 
is a general idea of who has accessed the RSS feed. And that's about it. So yeah, and Errol, because Errol, if Errol did have access to those analytics, because I make graphs. Yeah, he's Mr. Pie Chart and graphs. I love graphs. And infographs. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm all about. Good evening. Graphs. What's your? How are you? Hello, I'm Mr. Pie Chart. <laughs> Mr. Pie Chart. It's the worst kids show ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be Mr. Spreadsheet. There you go. That's Mr. Pie Chart's older brother, and he is very grumpy. Uh, But he's an interesting and sexy man. No. (laughs) No, he's not. He's a very hideous man. (laughs) He's shaped like a pear, but but upside down. But could you imagine the formulas he could write? Oh... Okay, moving on. Uh, let's 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 get off this at this stop. Uh, so, how are things in the UK right now? Um, you know, escape room wise and and coronavirus wise, uh, mostly because like I know everywhere they're they're pivoting to to online. Are there a lot of online games in the UK right now? There are some. Um, there's a company called Deadlocked and Reading, which have produced quite a good print at home game. Uh, that people really like. Uh, there's a company called Bulldogs in Brighton have produced quite a good online game. By the way, when I say quite good, I do mean they're good. I'm just being using dramatic understatement for some reason. Um, so, uh, and I think that's the charm I find uh, in the UK. Quite good, quite good means incredible, world Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I'll just I'll describe my boyfriend as quite good. Um, um, the Actually, uh, we have never talked about your social life. Sorry, okay, is we won't this, go there. Is this the space to do that? Uh, is, is this what the topic of today's today's episode shall be? Casual. Casual but seriously inquire about my love life. Well, yeah. that really explains the sudden interest in my sexual proclivities from earlier. Well, well, well. Now it's all coming together, Room Escape Divas. What are you really? Um, uh, the, We're like uh, a pod- Tinder podcast. Oh, let's continue. Um, So, (laughs) Amanda, you have something to say, I think. Uh, Sure, yeah. I think I could think of something right now that is not this. Um, No, uh, do you want me to carry on about the UK industry? I can can actually talk about that a bit. Um, So the overall, the state of the market is uh, relatively fine. Um, People have got loans and grants, so the businesses will mostly survive. In fact, I would argue, largely speaking, the smaller and more mom and pop the business, which is generally a more fragile state to be, the more that the loans, as a big lump sum, have secured them. They're being, they can furlough themselves, they can work from home. The question of what will happen over the next year is more complex. It really depends on macroeconomic things, which are really beyond anyone's control or knowledge. I would say that it really depends what type of depression we go into globally. Um, as to whether, um, not whether escape rooms will survive, because escape rooms will survive in some way, shape or form. Actually, they're a perfect entertainment vehicle for the new social units that are formed of friends and families in quarantine. But it's more whether it becomes worth it, whether it's worth the next 12 months of seeing low bookings, not having much money if you're a mum and pop shop, or whether it's worth, you know, closing sites if you're a big boy and you're doing well in the market. I think the UK is going to have a difficult 12 months because of leaving the European Union as well, which is a bit of an economic blow. Well, we don't know whether it be an economic blow, but certainly economists seem to think it will be an economic blow. So I think it's going to be a bad time for the UK market. But in depressions and recessions, domestic entertainment spending does tend to go up. Video games boom um, and other such entertainment will boom as well. 
And escape rooms, I feel a lot of the market is for people who started off in video games and then became more outgoing, had families and didn't have the same time, but want something that scratches that itch. So I think that escape rooms will do fine in the UK, but it's going to be a difficult year and and an impossibly difficult summer. Yes, I used to play a lot more games before I had family. (laughs) And now that I have family, I... You just trained your children to like games with you. Yes, so that was the key. I see. That's the the way to do it, to make sure the two don't end at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I do find it interesting to see the difference between um, an escape room that that is simply trying to just pivot and and adapt their rooms right now versus an escape room who decided to build a game from the ground up specifically designed to be played remotely online Uh, because I I just played my first one last night that wasn't frustrating and it was amazing Um, which one was it? uh, The Truth About Edith Mm -hmm. and -hmm. I don't know whether I didn't I I don't know whether it was just because it was like oh I didn't hate this uh, or if it was um or like it just it was just fun it didn't take it tell- itself too seriously and there was a lot of neat online mechanics that you wouldn't see in a normal escape room and it was fun to play together and it's something that uh you know a big video like you know I can't always get all my friends to buy the same video game to play online together but I could grab them for an hour to like you know play this game online together mm, I think my, my problem with online escape rooms is that I just am personally not interested in them. That's not why I've ever played escape rooms. And yeah. I play a lot of other video. I play a lot of video games with my friends. I play a lot of Dota 2. In fact, in fact, Errol had a Dota 2 podcast for a long while, which I know exactly all the metrics of because I'm a responsible <laughs> podcaster, or at least I was for five years, which is a comparable amount of time to room escape divas. Shame. Shame oh, on both of you. Wait, you're on like, you were doing a Dota podcast? That's not a lot of fun. For five so was years. was it just it, you and or how many people were on this? Me and two other people. Uh, it did, it did, it, like, it did genuinely pretty well, actually. You know, like, you know, uh, uh, I think over, like, over the course of its life, it had, like, about half a million, half a million listeners, which is not oh, bad. You know, wow, for, but that's amazing. Uh, it had, like, quite, you know, it was, we think we did, like, uh, uh, we used to, it was sort of, sort of, we tried to do it every kind of two two weeks, and then it kind of became every month. And so we did about forty episodes or something like that. But it was it was a really it was a really really fun podcast. And I'm big into Dota too. Well, not big into. I just play it with my friends in a social setting. And for me, like I don't really see why I would play an online escape room when I can play. A, um, online game of any different type with lots of different friends that I have, but I understand that people don't have the same options. A lot of their friends aren't interested in video games in the same way, so I understand why people want that social itch. But I just, I just don't care about online games. <laughs> I, just, I just, I'm just like, I'm just like, uh, I, I, I played a couple. I played the one from uh, Crime Runners in Vienna, which was, uh, which was nice. It was like rudimentary because that's just the nature of the system they were using. But it was a nice point and click adventure that felt like an escape room. But still, it was, you know, something that was thrown together and and it was an escape room company scrabbling to create something relevant. And I respect that, but it's not something that interests me as a consumer or someone who's interested in, you know, creating amazing experiences. It's not something that for me pushes the envelope. It's a reactionary thing. And I don't think it's here to stay. That's my instinct, but maybe I'm wrong. 
No, I'm, I probably agree with you. I'm yeah. in the same way because I'm also a video game player. Yes. And right now I just play a lot of, I just play with my daughter and we were playing Terraria and because a new update came out and this is where we're spending almost all our gaming time. And so I have played a couple and I have played a couple puzzle hunts and ARGs as well. But there, when it comes to video games and just being on the screen and screen time in general, I get more value out of playing it, playing a lot of the games that were meant to be on the screen. So Absolutely. So I totally understand. Mm. And, and not very many of them are still handling the multiplayer aspect because that is something people have worked on since the time video games first came out. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the online escape room stuff... I, I, how would you feel about it from a kind of puzzle and game design? Because I think it takes away a lot of things that from a puzzle and gaming point of view that also excite me, which is the tangible aspects, the sense of discovery. I know that's there, but it's kind of taken away from you. But I can't, I, I can't go on. fully agree with that. Just uh, that, like what you say, like, that's what I love about escape rooms. It was physically being in the space and being able to hold an object and, and discover things like that. And yeah, to, like it was a it's a level of immersion, like and there's different levels of immersion, right? Mm. Um but uh it's it's that it was that type of immersion that a video game can't ever really offer. So that was what was different about it for me. And the fact that I was, you know, in the space with other people. Um even doing the online ones where there's a real person responding to me as opposed to an NPC who is uh who has a dialogue tree you have to pick from. Yeah. It just it's like that. It's you know, it's like that kind of thing that I like about uh some of the online versions and even even uh like some of the when there's actors in them, uh you know, some of the the brick and mortar escape rooms. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like there's certain things that I, I think I was I was thinking about it when I when I played one of them and I thought you know I could play this a po- as a point and click adventure game and I could reload a save if I wanted to if I failed like I don't feel like I just lost thirty bucks because I made a fatal error and now I like you know and now there's no chance ever again to like figure out <laughs> you know what the real answer was right so yeah yeah I, I mean I mean also I I have some. I mean, I, I am work. I'm, I'm working on something currently, which is kind of, I, I mean, it's difficult to explain. I'll talk to you more guys more about it when it's actually finished, which will be in the next kind of month or so. Oh, we should have uh, had the podcast then too. You know what? That you have enough time to do enough podcasts in your life. <laughs> there can be there there can be more podcasts. <laughs> Believe me when I say well, there's enough time. I think he's just trying to compete with David and Lisa's count now. How many? How many podcasts he's like they've been on? Versus- How many have they been oh. on? I didn't know it's a competition. I'm not very competitive. Puff of my <laughs> nemesis, David Spira. Damn well, him. They at, at least probably twice a year. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> if not more. Okay. Uh, well, no, not more than that. Definitely really? not more than that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought one year we had them like three times in the year. Oh no no no! But why don't why don't why don't we record just some like random reaction? reaction little lines for me that you can splice into various podcasts and then Ooh. it can technically be I'm on them uh, so we just get some like anime them. reactions <laughs> yeah but of course focusing in a podcast I can say things like wow that was very insightful and you can just put that in wherever you wherever you like along the podcast okay how about you do a double take sound <gasps> okay now a triple take 
<laughs> I'll put triple kick very- now while swinging an axe. Mm, okay, it's just a, a difficult. <laughs> now let's say halfway, uh, halfway while you're swimming the axe, it gets heavier and heavier. Oh, you're the worst <laughs> oh, ever. Oh, <laughs> oh, my, oh, my wrists. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just, sorry. Just one second. Just lotioning them. Oh, <laughs> left and right. Righties. We, we could have I a think whole. Got, I think I've got carpal tunnel. Oh, now may, we could actually build up a library and share it with other podcasts. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really famous, so they'll definitely, they'll definitely take your clips. I'm just so famous. Well, we did hear, we did. I actually tried to tune in. I sadly came in into the last twenty minutes of your presentation at the Escape Summit, and that was really cool. I wanted to catch all of it. Anytime people talk about puzzles, I'm always excited. So I, I, I would. I mean, I, I actually, I did think I've ever done. I think I very rarely talk up. I, I only really talk about what the macro structure of a puzzle is, in like, in just to contextualize it when I'm talking about it. Just because I'm always like, here, you know, whenever I say a term, I like to define it because often I mean slightly different, or at least I have a different cultural understanding of what a puzzle is to someone else's. Someone else does. Um, but I, I, I think if you came at the puzzle, that's very rare that I talk about puzzle stuff. And I think I only talked, I, did you manage to, you managed to catch it, didn't you, Manda? Yes, yes, I you, did. My puzzle bit was like, it, almost like a, a snatch about the rest of it. Most of it was about structure, which yes. is my favorite thing to talk about. Well, not my favorite thing to talk about. I think probably the, my favorite thing to talk about is probably my dog or, or what really happened yeah. on nine eleven because that's a big mystery. Um, the, uh, no, uh, the... Uh, I didn't really talk much about um, the uh, puzzles at all. What I mean, I, I didn't catch your talk at the Escape Summit, Errol. Was that just a big puzzle design? What what is good? What is bad? You slamming slamming the Lord books of the law down, breaking breaking backs, breaking bones. That's usually what I do. But <laughs> yes, I was talking more about running a puzzle hunt mm-hmm. and how. Well, just the the just basically the structure as you're talking, as you said, because I can't really tell a person how to create a puzzle. That's really hard because there's far more to it than just make puzzle. You can't tell them when they're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So all of the all of the headaches. Like I mean, there are a lot of headaches that go. There are far more headaches that go into running an escape room, but there are a lot of headaches that go into running a puzzle hunt. And then also just the reality that there's tons of free puzzle hunts out there. So, you know, if you're making a puzzle hunt, why would I do one I'm paying for in comparison to one that there are many free ones out there? Is the MIT one free? Yes. Yeah. But you just have to be there. I mean, oh, you, yeah, you have, you have to, to have somebody person. on the ground there, yeah. right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So to talk to people about, about puzzles, I have a... My general view on puzzles is puzzles don't really matter in escape room very much. And yeah. that ultimately, like I've played hundreds of escape rooms and I barely remember any puzzles at all because, and that hasn't bothered me whatsoever because there's only like a certain amount of complexity of puzzle you can have within a confined time of it. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, of course, people have said that I'm wrong on that front and I'm prepared to be wrong. <laughs> I, oh, go ahead, Earl. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I just, I was going to say, I also, I'm kind of in that camp too. If you to ask me to bring up my top 10 favorite puzzles in escape rooms, I may be able to list one, like from a specific room, as opposed to like listing puzzle types that I like. 
uh, what I tend to remember from escape rooms is either how I felt uh, during it or uh, maybe if there was a cool theme or story along with it. But that's me. Like, that's that tends to be what I'm obsessed with, the story. So, so when mm. I critique an escape room for puzzles, everybody, every time I talk to other people and they always think, A, I want it harder or B, they have to give me something unique. And, and I try to tell people, no, I don't want harder puzzles. And no, I don't want you to try to find a unique puzzle for me. There's only one thing I care about while I'm doing your escape room is whether or not your puzzles are fair. Because I've run into so many bad puzzles. And that's it. That's all I, all I actually really critique. And so it doesn't matter how boring your puzzles are, because they'll probably be boring to me. <laughs> I mean, that's why I go... I mean, when I go to an escape room, I'm, I'm there because I want to solve these puzzles, but with my friends, and I spend most of my time playing uh, mm. in the escape room. I engage. If there's an actor, then I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. If there, <laughs> if there are fun objects, if there are things in there I can touch and play, the tactile aspect of it, then it's great, and I have a wonderful time because I still have fun in escape rooms. But I will not be... Sometimes you know, I'll go, oh, that's kind of an interesting way of how you implemented this type of puzzles. But as you said, it's hard to get a really unique way of presenting a simple puzzle because you can't get more difficult than something you can solve in five minutes. When it is hard, if it's something that takes an enthusiast a long time to actually parse, then it's too hard for the rest of the world because it's it shouldn't be hard. I totally agree. I think, I mean, also with the, the way that the kind of Terpeka rewards and things are going. I think the, the 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 system very much rewards the kind of games that enthusiasts like. And the kind of games that enthusiasts like are longer games because there can be more complex puzzles. That I mean that and that's that's sort of what happens. For example, I played some very highly rated games in Greece and some were really absolutely fantastic. Definitely worth all the praise they've got. But some were just like long. So some of the puzzles were longer. <laughs> And people were like, didn't you love the puzzles? I'm like, it was just a normal puzzle, but with more steps, you know? Uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was like someone would be like, hmm, maybe, maybe let's make this puzzle with, you know, it's like someone who's got a normal burger and they just put more bacon in. Like more bacon, maybe a few more patties. Isn't this the best burger ever, guys? No, it's just a really massive, but I can't even get my hands around it. How am I supposed to bite into it? Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of, I also, but I also understand that because, if you've played hundreds of escape rooms, maybe thousands, you know, you, you, you want something that allows you to, you know, not breeze past and feel cocky about because you're, you know, you're good at these now. And it's nice to have something you get, you get into. And I guess it's an enthusiast list as well. So it's also fine. But I do, I, I do, I mean, I also, I think, I also don't like puzzles that much overall in the grand <laughs> scheme. Like, like, as in, I shouldn't think uh, my kind of overall feeling is I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel the puzzle. I should just kind of, it should just almost be seamless, you know? Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's a logic puzzle. The great thing is if I'm playing with Lisa, I'm just like, Lisa, there's a logic puzzle. And then I just I go and do some stretches. I kind of, you know, I just wait for it to be done. Actually, um, that, that's what I do. Yeah, based on that, you two should never do an escape room no, together nothing alone. Will get because solved. like, there how the logic puzzles get done. I mean, that that is probably why, I mean, I have written, the, the reason I wrote the articles that I did, so I do mm -hmm. have an article about the difference between process and aha, and it just drives me insane. It's like, okay, let's make this game, let's make the puzzle longer, let's just add far more steps. It's like, oh, look, we need to find this T 
I'm sorry, we need to find the letter T in this book. How many times is the letter T there? It's like, what? No, I've never seen that. I've seen it like on a piece of paper and it's like horrible. We had to count all the T's that appeared on this piece of paper and there was, it was a whole paper was filled. I'm thinking, why is this fun? This is horrible. I don't want to do that, right? And some, and And that's another thing. I wrote that thing about difficulty because that's people think they want... Enthusiasts want more difficult puzzles. Let's just give them more mundane things to do. And it's like, no, I, I don't want that at all. And so that's why I, 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 I really... I, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't, but I don't think enthusiasts want, want, want more difficult puzzles. Like, I, I just don't think, I just don't no. think they do. Like, I, I think don't they think said they, they do either. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and I think that's what owners think, that we... But we just, we want a good, I mean, I think enthusiasts want a good game. They want to recapture the awe that escape rooms gave you when you first did them. Oh, yeah. And because uh, I, so I went to, before all lockdown, I went to uh, Athens. Uh, and we played some of the kind of top rated games in, in the world in Athens. And what I loved about it in some ways, apart from being frustrated at the, uh, what I saw as kind of overpraising of some, the some of them were just the puzzles were so simple but the flow of the experience was just incredible and the rules were so well set out i absolutely understood the universe and i understood how it all made sense together my favorite game i played there um was a game called sanatorium lock hill which is De- lock hill is definitely a ripoff of silent hill by the way i mean like the most ripoff ever oh, great but- so i should never play this game based on that basically it's i mean i mean i mean how scared are you in in games very yeah. i mean I, i'm 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 very i'm the thing is it's like i'm an utter scaredy cat and i was fine i mean okay, like uh, okay so so i mean look it'll be it's, it's going to be scary but oh yeah it's, no it's, i've played it's, enough it's only, scary it's games fit. though that i'm like i just enjoy everyone just knows that i am going to be scared i make it fun for everybody else because they like to torture me and you know put me into a room first and that kind of thing and people yeah. think it's just me that likes the torture man pans but she just shared something on her Facebook wall, which was hilarious because her best friends from high school yeah. found a creepy doll like in the forest and says, oh, look, I found this doll. Let's put it in Man Pan's mailbox. And it's like, and they never heard from Manda again. And it's like, you guys are jerks. It's like, these are the only people I somehow make friends with. So I think it's kind of on me that, that I live this life now. But, you know. Um. Yeah, that, that sounds a bit like victim blaming, but I'm, I'm, I'm victim not... blaming myself <laughs> yeah, somehow. I, I, I didn't blame anybody. Yeah, it's still it, jerks, I admit. Yeah, it, but yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it was it was incredibly well structured and put together. Um, and my only frustration was they had like a hard. It was like a, we played on like nightmare mode, which was the most difficult, most scary inverted commas and the most difficult puzzles. And there was one puzzle which it clearly has two modes, very difficult. And not so difficult, and it could be solved both ways, but we only had the clue for the very difficult. And it was such a long, cumbersome process that it was just frustrating. And the rest of the, of course, it didn't matter. I still loved the game. I thought it was incredibly clever and more structured. It's my favorite, one of my favorite games I've ever played. And five star, five star, five star. Amazing, amazing. But that was, for me, actually quite an example of what you're saying here about puzzle design. They were like, okay, right, enthusiasts want a difficult puzzle. Here's a really, here's, here's the same puzzle, but with just loads of extra steps to get to the answer. And I was just like there. I was there. The thing is, it's like I was there, low level, low like like low level, terrified in this terror, this smoky asylum, 
being pursued by monsters whilst we were all poring over a piece of paper being like, what does this even mean? <laughs> what does it mean? And that's the last place you want all your energy to go when you have like beautiful sets and environments, like really clever structure. We're just like, I don't know what's happening. Um, no, that's absolutely true. You could have the prettiest game in the world, but if that game does not flow well, it, those sets mean nothing, basically. Oh yeah, but the game is the game is incredible. It's, Yes, fantastic. <laughs> just so, just that that one hiccup. That, that yeah, yeah, that was just the only the only part the only part I didn't I didn't enjoy, and and that was entirely entirely because of puzzle difficulty. I remember when I was playing a Nancy Drew game, and I think I've mentioned this before. And you can also choose Junior Sleuth or oh, yeah. Master Sleuth. Oh, and yeah. It's like, oh well, we're adults. We're because we were playing this as adults, and we're not playing it. And we know that it's we're like it for young kids. people. So yeah. we decided let's go for the Master Sleuth, and then we found. And this is one of the earlier games. I got better. Yeah. So we found that when you are the Master Sleuth, there was a Towers of Hanoi puzzle. Oh. Oh. And they decided, well, instead of four discs, let's make it seven. And it's like, what? Oh, this is going to take us forever. Uh, your Maybe kids were there sitting on the like, couch. Zoe started like climbing trying, all over yeah, it. Trying and to doing finish the Towers of Hanoi and, puzzle. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. It was, anyway. it was a very, that was, I do remember that. And I might be pronouncing it wrong, but that's okay. I've always suspected that if I met Nancy Drew in real life, I would utterly despise her. I think Nancy Drew is an awful person. If she was just here, she'd be like, she'd be like, oh my God, I'm really good at like uncovering crimes and solving mysteries. And we'd be like, we know, we know Nancy. We've read all the books. And she's like, yeah, but I'm really clever. I like, I keep an outwitting all these adults. Yes, Nancy. Yes, Nancy. And then she gets hit over the head by somebody and, and faints anyway. She has, she has concussion. <laughs> she has to have a lot of, brain damage oh, from all the concussions yeah. <laughs> maybe that's the reason she's so obnoxious she's just so brain damaged like the, the like you know all conscience is gone she's just a sociopath going i mean she there is something sociopathic about nancy Drew. her insistence that she alone has to unsolve all these mysteries nancy mm. what about what about all the law what about law enforcement and adults no nancy must solve all the crimes um that's true yeah the games are a bit better for it. I remember reading the novels as a kid, and it very much was kind of like that. And the games are a bit better for, like, she calls her friends for help. And, you oh, know, no, like, no, no, yeah. Nancy, 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 firstly, Nancy, Nancy, Nancy has developed social skills in, in you know, the video game world. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Nancy had no had no people to slow her down on her never ending stop to solve crimes and solve whatever darkness was inside her in the books. Yeah, yeah um, in the books she would just barrel into a dark attic and then be shocked when something bad happened to her. That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we are slightly victim. This is a very victim blaming podcast. <laughs> yes, Nancy, it's your fault that people. We'll, we'll just title it that: victim blaming the podcast. Yeah. yeah wow, that sounds like it's going to go over well, Mad Bands. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought I thought you guys wanted to get cancelled. <laughs> I thought that was that was the aim of this. Um, well, I think the fortunate thing is that we don't know how many people are listening, so that's, maybe that's it won't. Maybe now, we've the, already been cancelled. We yeah. cancelled years ago, <laughs> and we're still going, just broadcasting into the we, void. We do get emails. So someone's listening. <laughs> Poor Mad know. Pants. Like, no, no, people listen to us. It's, it's okay. <laughs> um. Actually, uh, she's getting defensive. Uh, it'd be, it'd be interesting because uh, one thing I'd like to talk about is that um, my talk at the Escape Summit, which for anyone listening is still available online, you can go to Facebook slash 
probably it's the escape summit. Probably it might be just escape summit without the. Either way, if you use the search function on Facebook, you'll be able to find it. You can see a recording of my talk. Uh, we had a brief discussion, um, Amanda, about kind of your thoughts on it afterwards. But I think it was just, thanks for the talk. People should use more structures. Bye. <laughs> it was very brief. I'd be interested to hear like what kind of any kind of thoughts that you had from that or anything that you've seen that's particularly interesting in the kind of structural changing the game in that kind of way space. So I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember it all now because I think I'd have to rewatch it. I think it was during the workday, so I was I was very much covertly glancing at things. Even though I'm working from home, uh, I still had calls coming in. Yeah, yeah, it's but I was very interested in um, yeah, like uh, the way that the way that you laid out how things are currently done, which is very much the yes, like they get to one room, then they get to the next room, and the one previous to that could, wouldn't be closed off. What I was curious about and what I didn't quite glean from the talk or from when I was popping in and out of the talk was um, what what method currently do you do you prefer and what where do you hope that escape rooms like what kind of structure would you like to see more of? I, I think I I mean ultimately open world gameplay is the most exciting and interesting. To yes, me. that's right. It was yeah, um, the open world. I, I like it's still the most exciting with uh, crafting. With uh, no, I think I, I, I <laughs> absolutely kidding. despise crafting. I absolutely hate it. Oh my god, it's the video game trend that I, oh, like I know. The least. I, I know. Crafting. I know. I know. A lot of people do, but I do think the world is divided, divided sharply into people who love it and people who hate it. And I am a hater. And lots of games that I really like, I'm like, oh cool, that's the sequel to this game that I really liked. And they're like, it's exactly the same as the previous one, but now with all crafting. the items you like break and you have to repair them with things you find. I'm like, cool. That's just so much a significantly worse experience. Thanks, game developers, for listening to trends, or probably the guy who in marketing who was like, crafting is big. Can we can we put some of that in? I'm a very creative guy. And I read something on Twitter, a tweet, and maybe, and, and that person said he liked crafting. So can we change the whole development cycle? Uh, um, anyway, uh, so I like, I absolutely despise crafting, but uh, I do, I, it's going to come in escape rooms, isn't it? Somehow. How is it? How is it going to come in escape rooms? You have to craft keys. Oh, each key requires different types of materials. Oh, I'm already feeling sick. Oh, no. <laughs> So with open world, what? Okay, so now now my memory's jogged. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, so I've, my with, my day's ruined. If I, yeah, no, it's too late. Like I have to go and cry in a quarter how now. To, how to ruin Nick's? Although the, the day for you is almost done, so there you go. You only have a few hours to last. Yeah, oh, th- oh, oh thanks. <laughs> only four hours of misery. So kind, so kind of you to, to to say how I should how happy my day should be. Errol would be thankful for only a small amount of misery. No wonder your podcast is getting cancelled. <laughs> So with open world, one thing I'm interested in is like, because uh, I hear open world and I hear, oh my gosh, that would take a lot of uh, effort and design. Uh, when I think of open world, naturally, I, I think of, you know, the video game sandbox open world where you're just running around uh, like an entire country, right? And... Um, but there are many, really, different, there are many different ways to do open world. For example, yeah. the, the, like The Witcher is in first comments open world, but actually it's really not because you have a suggested level for how how yes. well you do the various quests. Of uh, which I am very grateful for that. I, I mean, and and you'd be able to offer similar things. The 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 question of 
the the problem the problem you have is that in in the Q and A at the end, some people said, "Could we do a meow wolf or kind of punch drunk open world?" And the answer yeah. is the answer is. I mean, have you? Do you, I answered the questions as best I could. I've never been to Meow Wolf, but the problem is, is comparing passive experiences to interactive experiences is just impossible because a passive experience, you just walk around, and you're like, look at that. You you know, you interact with everything only intellectually, so that it's not a question of numbers in the same way. And yes, I absolutely agreed with you on that point. Me too. Uh, yeah. I remember that question. Uh, and I, the the open world thing is, it will have to be a significantly smaller world. Yes. Then perhaps you would you would like, but there's no, then you know you or I would like, but uh, but not not necessarily hugely so. Not necessarily you know it could for example it could be an average escape room has three has three distinct spaces in like that you unlock as you go as you as you go along it, um, and so uh, and with a bit of invention you could make you could just shove five escape rooms together, have five teams start at the same time, and have fifteen distinct spaces that you can roam between and find things that, that go between. That's suddenly 15, 15 different spaces to explore, which is actually quite a lot. And you're starting five teams at the same time. You'd you know, be able to feed it. it still financially is the same output. The question is, is you'd need to make that world replayable as well, which then start, because otherwise, because the difference is obviously having five outlays for five games is that you can sell to the same customer five times. Whereas one open world game, you need to, you need to be able to sell to customers over and over again effectively different parts of the same experience and, and i think the, the problem that open world gameplay faces is largely speaking um the model for how escape room companies operate and have their customers is that they try and sell to as few customers as possible as many times as they can because they're not because they're very low footfall experiences people haven't built high footfall games mostly and they haven't really tried to push the envelope about having to do aggressive, really aggressive marketing, really push the boat out there. And open world gameplay will require a, a much more aggressive business model in order to finance. And I think that people aren't willing to do... Uh, pe- people currently aren't willing to take that risk of doing that. Yeah, the 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 point that you had made about uh, having multiple teams in the same space um, was was really interesting to listen to because I don't think... Apart from having like a large scale competitive event, I don't think any escape room has ever done that where the teams can play in tandem or like unless it's like a five wits type of thing in which teams are moving through different spaces at different times. Um, but to have everyone in the same place playing the same game and somehow not getting in each other's way uh, was really intriguing. But that's it's how t- the, it's totally possible. Although that's how Scrap did their ballroom events. It's they just weren't immersive. They were just everybody at a table. Yeah, but I, I mean, the, the the scrap events is that everyone starts at the same time, the same time in the same place. What I'd probably do is have five different tracks. So you'd have different, you'd be like, okay, have you been, and you just have to like do, like do the rough, do the maths, do a spreadsheet and be like, okay, look, you know, there are five different tracks. It's very unlikely that we have, you know, two people who've done four of them here at the same time. So you start in part A, and your track takes you through these particular parts of it. And then at a certain point, the world opens up and you have more choices. So, and you can kind of do things in a kind of more non-linear order. What it would have to be is, again, probably a more detective-y or investigative-y format, which allows that. I've done so many different formats. For There was a experience in for uh, a television show I was doing in LA. I won't say which one it is. Even though I didn't sign an NDA, so I totally could do. 
So, <laughs> su- sucks sucks to you, TV companies, for not being efficient. Victim blaming. Um, victim blaming. <laughs> I I do not feel that large television no, companies are the victims of anything. I don't think so anything. either. That's a good point. And. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, and you know, I worked up, and I worked up some quite nice models for kind of like hybridizing and having kind of more of an open world stuff, but it still felt like a bit of a cop out. Um, but I, I think, I, I mean, the best way for me to do it, I think, to do it would be to have it in a city like uh, what's the what's the population of London of of Toronto? Three million, three point five million. Three point five million. So not yeah. not a ma- not a not a large city, but not but not massive. No, not massive. Not massive. Yeah, big to me. Big, 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 big to you. Why? Yeah. Were you like a mouse transformed into a human? And everything is still terrifying. It was like when I when I went to the. That's U- pretty much true. Everything is well, terrifying for yeah, Amanda. My, yeah, my animal's a squirrel. Let's just you know. Um, no. Uh, we have rabbits in our house. She's petrified of our. Rabbits. I'm not petrified anymore. They look. I even let them climb on me from time to time you what know? did a rabbit do when you were younger Amanda? oh my what did god the rabbit say to you i i had to rabbit sit for a friend and she was just like oh just be careful though because like he doesn't like people at all and now it, it was and, like ever since then i i just <laughs> me and rabbits have been no not at all like even like anything like guinea pigs uh Skinny pigs, which my friend used to own. She she loves what, all what, hairless what animals. Are, what are, oh, ha- they're hairless guinea pigs. They're hairless guinea pigs. They must pigs. look like nightmare fuel. They, they do. And she's like sitting there, oh, look how cute he is. And like holding him up to my face. And I'm like, yeah. And, and you look in his eyes and you just hear the you know, unbidden in your consciousness, the phrase chaos reigns. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> See, Nick gets it. <laughs> I, get, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I I'm I guess I'm not a huge I'm not a passionate fan of guinea pigs, but uh, I mean <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's particularly controversial. I do like rabbits though. I used to have a rabbit when I was a when I was a kid. Oh, there you go. I hear they're good pets. I guess I don't know. It was just they're unpredictable. Like dogs, I know when a dog's angry at me. I know when a cat's angry at. Me. I can't tell what but, rabbits but, are gonna do at any but, moment. But they don't it have just- a tremendous <laughs> amount of capacity. <laughs> They don't, have, they don't have huge amounts of power. And then, and then it's there's not like, arrows. It's not like, it's not like the, the rabbit's going to like summon summon a demon or like, <laughs> but then, oh, or yeah. like a far a bullet there's rabbit. Who, they can't even get out of their cage. Yes, they can. No, and they have. No. And then there's Errol's bunny because then they let the bunny go in the bathroom, like hop around because that's where his cage is. And the first time, one of the first times I met Errol, I went to his house for dinner and he was, I was like, oh, can I use your bathroom? He's like, sure. Oh, the bunny's up there. He likes to hump legs, so just careful. And I was like, what? And I go, and yeah, it was the most stressful bathroom experience of my life because this bunny was just like, I go to sit on the toilet and then like the bunny's just like suddenly razor focused on me. And I'm like, oh, it's awful. It's an awful, awful time with rabbits. But I'm better now. I'm an better awful, now. awful time with rabbits. The Amanda Whitney biography. <laughs> From the people who brought you, I'm terrified of everything because I'm a mouse transformed into the body of a human. 
<laughs> no, when I when I uh, when I would like I I grew up in a in a smaller city, and then I went to university in a slightly larger city, and I thought that was like wow, look at me go! And it had a population of about one hundred and ten thousand. And I would call that not a city. And, yeah, so so my friends from Toronto uh, also came, like you know people from Toronto also went to this university, and they came in. They're like, oh wow, look at this small village town place. I'm like, it's not small, it's huge. And then I moved to Toronto and I'm like, this is the biggest place on earth. And then, you know, like, it's just, I'm gradually learning about you shouldn't you know, ever, the you shouldn't size ever go of the to world. Atlanta, let's just say, because that's going <laughs> to, you are literally going to die. It goes on forever. <laughs> and then it just emerges with the airport. <laughs> um, there you go. Errol came from an even smaller town, so. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, overwhelmed. <laughs> I, I, I don't come from a town at all. I come from a village. So I feel that I beat you in the small stakes and I now live in a bigger city than you, Manda, and I'm not terrified of, of the rabbits that inhabit the city. <laughs> I, am, I am less afraid of the raccoons that run rampant through Toronto than I am you of You should Errol's be scared rabbits. of those raccoons. They could be rabid. And they yeah. have claws. They are smart. They are smart things. They're starting to come out in the daylight more too now with COVID, which is bad. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they have COVID. Maybe they're in a league with the League of they Rabbits. They possibly do. Yes, yes. They're <laughs> in league with the rabbits. Anyway, uh, way off topic there. You were asking how big Toronto is for a reason. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just going to say, because, because I mean, London's relatively, relatively, it's a very big city, one of the biggest cities in the world. And it has a strong experiential sector. And what it can afford to do is do things like experiential events that run for three to four months and do more, you know, do a big build and then knock it down. That's probably how I think that these open world things should start off as kind of experiments in places that can support them from reliable companies. Yeah. Um, not that most major cities, I mean, I did, there's a general correlation that most major cities don't have top tier games because it's too difficult to build in them. Um, uh, from as a sort of generalized rule, but I mean, they're like things like Berlin. They're obviously an exception because Berlin is actually, you know, kind of much more an artist and run much more rundown city, especially in East Berlin. But uh, like London's problem is, of course, London property prices are extraordinary. Oh, um, I can imagine. Yeah. I suppose, for example, like in Margate on the sea, you know, uh, lovely place, nice town, lots of you know, kind of wealthy people around. It costs uh, for one month's rent in uh london you'd get a year's rent in market <laughs> on a venue wow so you know wow but that's going to change thanks to covid thanks covid thanks for crashing thanks, commercial COVID. commercial real estate prices um so yeah i think i, I mean, there's a, there's a lot more there's a lot more to be done and i hope that i i, I am very interested in to see what is going to happen to the industry after after covid because although i'm optimistic I do hope that a lot of bad escape room businesses die. Um, and that's not me being, you know, mean or anything. It's just that it's going to... So a lot of people started in the boom of 2015, right? They're coming up to the end of five-year leases, which is a standard commercial lease rent. And I think that some of these small businesses, which don't really do much for the market, they're not really doing very interesting things, they also ran games um, that are kind of were cashing in the trends. They're not very creative, not very well done. They're not very well maintained. They're not very safe often as well. I hope that this is the kind of the end of the line for those kind of, I guess, those kind of really, really average experiences that are often kind of mid-sized businesses in like mid-sized towns that have kind of just breezed along being okay. 
And I think that'll just like free up the market a bit and hopefully mean that the overall average quality of games starts to rise. I mean, but I'm sure that's not going to happen. And, and all the interesting companies that have spent money and trying to do interesting things are going to die because <laughs> the, the, the world is not fair and all the rabbits are coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> that aside, uh, I, would, I would love to see an escape type of thing that is a, that is a mix between escape room and a, a LARP event of some sort. Um, yeah, it's but, a little you know, bit more and, and controlled... Yeah, more contained. I mean, there was a really fun like LARP, a escape room hybrid we played in um, Athens called the Swamp of Sorrows, which I really liked. And uh, some people on the ship really didn't get along with like the acting element. Um, and I just really, really enjoyed it because it just had nice rules and the LARPing stuff was was light enough for me to consume because I find um, quite a lot of LARPing stuff uh, like. I mean, I've seen quite a few talks on LARPs. I mean, I'm like a conference junkie. I go to every escape room conference I can possibly go to because I just love hearing yeah. people talk about stuff. Um, and I've seen some talks on LARPers and they were like, you know, it's really great because we have like a three-day development process where everyone is living together. Um, and because our process is so great, we just get these amazing complex characters. I'm like, Jesus Christ, if you locked me in a room and spent three days creating a character, <laughs> of course it'd be great. Of course, it'd be amazing. Of course, I'll be invested in it because everyone's been along the process. I, I do think LARP kind of has it a bit easy sometimes because they have dedicated, they have like such a self-selective, such a self-selective group of people who are dedicated, who give time, which is the most precious resource that you can have, to uh, and and who are more open to the more embarrassing things that I find about LARP. Um, yes which uh, make me make me cringe hard inside. And well, I, I think, think the, the hard part about LARPing, however, is the RP part, the mm -hmm. role-playing. And the mainstream doesn't really want to buy into the role-playing aspect. Well, we, we've said it on the podcast before, because with our events, it, it had some LARPy role-playing type elements to them. And the key was like, adapting to the player's comfort levels so like if somebody wasn't into the role play part and and just you don't didn't want to talk to you like like in character or something like that we we would just adapt to that we would um we would try to accommodate that however it was it was still fun and i've said it before on the podcast that like seeing somebody get into it from someone like someone who came in very resistant and then seeing them slowly get into it and then by the end uh sh shoving their wife away so they could you know like pretend to to flirt and stuff <laughs> you're really enjoying that eh? i was i was well no well, the more enjoyable part was like when i was like oh but who's your friend and his wife was like sat there being like oh i'm nobody don't worry about me and, and like it was you know like seeing that uh, was really fun and rewarding for, for us too as well as the players. And I think people are willing maybe to role play with an NPC but they may be or an actor but they probably will be less willing to role play with each other with another player because yeah. then they're going to look like losers. That's why I, you know, <laughs> well, I'm yeah, scared I, of that. A friend of a friend <laughs> put in a piece of immersive theatre in London and London is big immersive theatre hotspot. Lots of immersive theatre um, lots of people who like it. You can do small scale immersive theatre quite well, and uh, it was a perfectly okay show. But he made a show for extroverts, and he made a show. Uh. And I think that some that because it required a lot of 
social barriers breaking in order to do the LARPing part, that it required a certain type of personality that was either socially indifferent to what people thought or just just was such a big personality that it didn't, that it didn't matter to them. And I find it interesting because I'm, I'm, I would say I'm neither an extrovert nor an introvert. I'm just definitely, you know, sometimes I'm one, sometimes the other. Uh, the binary between the two is, anyway, ludicrous, you know. Um, and psychologically, it doesn't really make sense for anyone to be one type of personality in particular. We are a million different people depending on the circumstances, depending on our confidence levels, depending on our comfort, depending on all these kind of things. But in certain live settings, there are some people who just feel absolutely com- comfortable doing whatever. And the problem with having a show where uh, this is only I'm basing on a couple of a few experiences, most theatre, which actually basically are LARPs and immersive theatre to guys, is that the confident people got the best experiences because they were the ones who could in, who could interact the best, and mm-hmm. the people who didn't just got nothing. No, not nothing. Yeah. But they wandered around. And the, the the thing I like about an escape room compared to that is that it's much more fair. The person who shouts loudest doesn't get the most, right? There's enough for everyone to do. You can go off and quietly do something yourself. Yes. And uh, th- so that's kind of for me a, a problem that like I think is difficult to difficult to uh, overcome in LARPs. I think one one group whenever they did our events because we did the try combine immersive theater with escape room is like they do they realize okay we need an extroverted person to interact with the actors and we will cover all of the puzzle parts and it worked great for them mm-hmm. because like oh we got to go talk to that actor send leroy go leroy go you know and it was it was something yeah. that could at least hopefully take both both of those types of personalities this is what this is our problem this was my problem with the live version of the of the prison escape um in which I ranted about last episode, but I'm going to rant again uh, a little bit. It's your the, uh, show. <laughs> it's my show, and nobody want, listens to it. Here's so. a bunny. <laughs> no, no, listen to it because you've been cancelled from Twitter for months ago. <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't have a Twitter account. There you go. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> no, no, we just hashtag whatever. No, I know. have too many Twitter accounts. So we decided, like, do we need a Twitter account for this? Yes. No. <laughs> no. I, yes. I can barely handle we, my own. We are impressing account. Nick with our professionalism yes. and yes. our yeah. We don't uh, want sponsorship. We don't uh, want. We don't want we your don't, money. We don't want your time. We don't want your views, and we don't <laughs> want your retweets. Yeah, what we want is everyone to go away, to leave us alone, to leave our nonsense unlistened to on the internet, totally devoid and alone. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if you're listening right now, you are insulting, insulting, error, error, Aranda. You're both of you today, both of you together, Aranda. You're insulting their memory because Manda, Manda died on the way home from a vicious bunny attack. And Errol died trying to save her. No, he died laughing at me, probably. <laughs> Look at that bunny go. Yeah, <laughs> Look at that bunny go. Let's just, that, let's just <laughs> put that on the table. Look at Lyra that bunny will not go. not save me. Let, let, should, we get, should we get a clean take of Look at that bunny go in case you cut it into any future, future episodes? It could be the sound clip. <laughs> Look at that bunny go. We can add it to the Nick... Moran Library. Sound li- the Nick Moran Sound Library. library. And then the one, only I- thing less listened to than this podcast. No. Um. I hope no one listens to it. But then again, no one does because you don't know. Continue, please. Continue. Well, no. we're also fortunate to, that we're the only ones. Oh, we're not 
the only ones anymore. No, no, we're the, so we're the only podcast escape room industry podcast. Sorry, I just said podcast twice. No, because lo- you kind of had the one from uh, Sarah and Toby and all that lot yes. started, and then sort of yeah didn't 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 continue. So yeah, uh, so that's what I mean. We're the only like at the very beginning, it was uh, escape this podcast and escape second whatever. Second minute. Anyway, Something so there were three of us, but then they all stopped, and then we just kept going. Are and you then sure they didn't ones... just stop publicizing their podcast and disappear <laughs> on the internet? And maybe deleted their Twitter account, made sure that... Maybe they deleted their website as well, Errol. Maybe they just, they're still going, and they're like, people still listen, right? We don't have any metrics, but people must listen. Maybe they're all like us. No, I, I, I search for people constantly. That's... Creepy. Continue. <laughs> That's why I know everything I search, about you. I search for when I When I mentioned another escape podcast one time, I was like, which one? Are you sure it exists? Because I should know about it. And like, in I, the end, I did know and about you did, it. In the end, you did. But there was like a really big interrogation going on for it a It was. Cause... You got really aggressive. Like, what are they called? How long have they been around? What's their name? It, you know, be, and, it's weird if I don't know a podcast about escape rooms on the internet. Because yeah. I know them all. Yeah. I get this podcast seems to be doing really well. I really, I really. Oh yeah. Those guys. Oh, they're doing great. They're yeah. Doing wonderfully. I love them. I bet they know how many views they have. They I do. do. Yeah, they know their they downloads. They know do. their views. They know <laughs> yeah, their I, listeners. They have uh, a Patreon. They great. are very good on social media. In fact, I, I commend Patreon. Bill. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna because I, I'm gonna get it there so I can. You I should can, because if you if you're on their Patreon and you get you get to get thrown into like a, a draw to be included in their episode as like a, a character and like they'll mention your name. So I got into one. That was fun, and it was. I exciting. will. I've now got the page open and I will make sure I do something after this. Cool. Uh, anyway, well, I was. Hard podcast is really only for promoting Pad-cast, other podcasts. Yeah. Other okay. podcasts. Okay, anyway. cool. <laughs> I didn't want to say uh, okay, cool in an aggressive way. Okay, cool, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get I'm it. Nancy Drew and I solve all the mysteries. <laughs> yeah. I found all the podcasts. How dare you find another podcast without me, Nancy Drew? <laughs> No, no, she didn't. I, I knew about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This makes it even more condescending <laughs> somehow. <laughs> hashtag channeling Nancy. You wouldn't know what hashtag is because you're not on Twitter, but it's. No, no, so, we do have a hashtag. You have a you'll hashtag. Hear it, you'll but hear it in you our are, outro. Yeah. Which we don't ask use. other people to use. <laughs> yeah. we, we, what is the what is the podcast? What is the hashtag? I'm on my computer now. So hashtag hashtag redivas hashtag r e divas. Hashtag. We. I admit that I don't use the hashtag. <laughs> we had to use something. <laughs> just, this is really bad. This is like the 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 one that does expose us as frauds. Um, no, just I, this, 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 just I'm going to say that I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to shame you on your own show. Oh no, shame oh, no, away! I'm no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to shame you on your own show. No, that's not. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm just not going to shame you. I'm not going to say. <laughs> how little it's used or how irregular <laughs> it seems to be and how that it doesn't take long to scroll down to get into 2017. <laughs> uh, when I, I would say it's six tweets down <laughs> and you're in 2017. I'm not going to say that because that would be shaming you. And we're drawing attention to the fact that, you know, the, 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 this podcast, I don't know. Is it like 
a tax scam? What is going on? What's the real What's the real reason you're doing this, Amanda? You're an expert in this field. What's is that? Oh, is not that only what? I'm I'm actually going back to school for it. I'm going to be doing forensic accounting in the fall. So oh. you know. That's how good I'm going to be at, at uh, making a scam podcast later. This is assuming somebody's making money <laughs> in regards to podcasts. You don't know. Half the, <laughs> <pack> scam. <laughs> half, the, half the talks at PodCamp were like, how do I make money? Yes. And we have no desire to make money. There you go. Yeah, making money's for suckers. <laughs> and people who retire early. Fools. Anyway, I had been saying something earlier. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh... Going back to uh, escape the the prison game, the prison escape. So one of one of the difficulties we had was that one. It was so short, so we didn't have time to really get into the game mechanics. And as a result, we were super shy about talking to the characters. And I kind of wish that the actors had thrown us a bone every once in a while, uh, mm. because you could hear us on the call just being like, "What do we say? I don't know. You say something." I don't know, uh, but, we'd say uh, something, but, and it, 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 you know, and like, and they were like sitting there waiting. Would we say something, and it was a fatal error, and then we'd just be saying, "I don't know, just hit the lockdown button," or like whatever. And it was just, it was, it's hilarious in retrospect, but at the time, it, it was just like, please, just give us something because we're clearly not not equipped to actually talk to you. I, I mean, I, I also, I've, I have lots of very negative opinions about about acting in, in escape rooms and i just wish it would happen so much so much less often because 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 the the qualities that make a good game master aren't necessarily the qualities that make a good actor it's not it's not fair to make people act and i think i would just much rather people would just like hi i'm a normal person you can ask me a question and i'm just gonna answer like a normal person rather than like i'm a character because for some reason, I'm a character in escape rooms. It's always like, hi, I'm normal. I'm perfectly charming. Now I'm like this. I'm enunciating things too much. And I have no emotional range. Um, you and know, I overreact to every little thing. <gasps> oh, dear. They're, you know, this axe is slipping from my hands and has hurt them. And now I have to moisturize. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I, 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 that, I, I do think that's, that's entirely the fault of the escape room. If they put, if they put you in that situation... And that that's like a massive flaw. I hate it when that happens. I hate it also when, you know, because so Tyron, Tyron, Tyron and Bless Sherlock has actors, very good actors. They're very, very much a core part of the experience. And it's one of the things that regardless of whether you've liked any of the kind of games that, that at either of them, it's one of the parts that generally gets, get, you know, gets good praise. And part of the reason is, is that they're good actors. They're perfectly fairly paid but also and also they know how to adapt to you and adapt to energy level if someone's team's quiet you bring it down you make it intimate you make it comfortable for them that's your job and i feel that gms they get like i can do one thing and then they do that to every single bloody person that ever meets them and well i i do agree with you on that point but the thing that really surprised me is that in the prison escape i'm pretty sure that they were real actors in there that was what kind of shocked me about it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know what real actors means. What do they mean? What's their What's their background? What have they done? What kind of other opportunities? Yeah, are like them for to instance, learn? they might not be comfortable with improv. For instance, exactly. Like what's yeah. what What does it mean by their actors? Does it mean they're paid to act? Are they you know like how how often are they paid to act? Are they working actors? That's not a snobbish thing. It doesn't matter if they are or aren't. But you know, like what what what's the what's the quality level? 
Because it takes a, it takes a like a unique cocktail of skills. You have to be extrovert. You have to be charismatic. You have to be swift. You have to have a strong understanding of the structure. It's a to be to be a good immersive actor is actually quite a tough tough job. And that's why certainly in the London scene you see the same like same fifty to one hundred faces over and over and over because they they're, they're great. You know they're great. You can give you can. They don't have to require as much rehearsal. You give them a character brief, they'll get it and they'll smash it out. Well, I know. Yeah, what we. Yeah, watching the BBC and stuff that yeah <laughs> we see the same actors over and over. It's like, hey, they're back. I'm glad. And uh, we do. I mean, we have found out and we agree that people who are used to improv, the actors that are used to improv, will bend with the character, which is great. I mean, sorry, will bend with the players, will follow and go with the players where people who may have not really interacted with people when acting... They get confused. Well, we've, we've told the story on those podcasts yeah. before of how you broke an actor Poor. who yeah, was you, just no, trying to say his lines. And, you, you, uh, you, do, you did the right thing, Errol. Like, the actors, <laughs> need to be, actors are like horses. They need, their spirit needs to be broken in order for them to be trained. Did you, did you, did you hoof sad, this actor? Sadly then? apt. Yeah. No, I agree with that. That's sad, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking we're coming. Oh, we're past an hour now. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Mm. We've been talking for an hour? An hour mm-hmm. and 13 minutes, oh, no man. less. Yeah. 13. Unlucky for some, but lucky for the many viewer of Room Escape of <laughs> Divas. <laughs> the many listeners, too. Listeners. <laughs> mm, listener. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I just watch the bar going along. <laughs> that's me. Oh, that's I, true. You can yeah. watch the sound uh, thing. That'd be yeah. Sound wave. That's a fun thing to do. It's like I'm there in the room and I can feel them washing over my face. You can do what I do when I edit now and just try to guess when the when the ums and the and Errol freakouts are coming up. And it's pretty... Or if you don't want to listen to seven minutes of, oh, I don't know, if you're doing a puzzle and you don't want to listen to seven minutes of Morse code, you could just look at the sound wave or load it into a website that will just translate it for you without you doing any work. I, just, I, did, I didn't know those existed. I didn't either. <laughs> if it's a clean, if it's a clean uh, Morse code, uh, MP3 or Wave, then there are websites out there that will that will translate it for you. Good, because oh. I hate Morse code. Yeah, I do. I just really <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, me too. I, I, I was, that was the fakest thing you've ever done. Yeah, I hate it too. <laughs> Down with Morse code. Down with bunnies. <laughs> oh, yeah, thing, exactly. oh, like imagine if the two imagine if the bunnies were communicating in Morse code that would be your nightmare they would their just little, with their thumping their little foots would like be thumping on the wow. ground and then be staring at me with their beady non-feeling eyes and you know ugh, bunnies wow. <laughs> <laughs> but they're soft that's fun oh, but they're so oh you you, you so <laughs> resentfully said that oh but they're soft I guess Oh, wow. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. It's I don't think freaky. you're trying at all. You're not trying to love them. You should love them. They're just prey. And okay, you're a we... vicious predator. Yeah, you could, you're more maybe, friendly to the buddy than the buddy Maybe is to I you. hate them because I see too much of myself in them then. Are you vegetarian, Amanda? Oh, I am, I am not. Well, there we go. <laughs> you could eat a bunny at any point and the bunny is so happy to be near you. And so willing to be eaten. Exactly. What? The bunny is like constantly like like in like in a like in a Looney Tunes, like covering himself in like delicious <laughs> That's gravy true. and just like putting an himself apple in. in their mouth. Yeah, just being like, oh come on, Amanda, eat me. 
The bunny just wants to be, I was going to say inside you, but that just would have gone, come out. I didn't say it because I said I wasn't going to. And that's oh. how these things work. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they, but like, the bunny we should also talk about in a consumption way, not in a we sexual shouldn't way. We should talk and about for how all many the... times Radivas is being tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we do, we do. We do. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm defending my podcast. Darn it. It's our podcast. I don't. Our podcast. Our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> my editing. <sighs> Although you edited last week. That was nice. Yay. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope the popping problem isn't here anymore. Hopefully. We Hopefully. Have, we have what, the do, what do you record on? Uh, SM58. I see. Oh, you, got two, you got two of them, one for each of you. Yeah. Yeah, and so we do have an audio box. Now. We yeah. do have... We do have mics going into the audio box. Yes. Oh, so and no, was, pop filters. It sounded very nice when I last listened, so that's probably the reason why, isn't it? Um, Hooray! <laughs> um, we did something I'm, right. <laughs> I'm, trying diff- I'm trying a different mic today. This is not interesting for the audience, so probably should, shouldn't be No, there. no, this is, this is interesting for me, well, though. Well, this has never stopped us before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I usually record with a, a Blue, Blue Yeti Pro. Uh, which okay. I don't really have a voiceover stuff, which is perfectly like, it's perfectly fine, like 150, 150 pound, 200 pound mic. But I'm recording on my Zoom H5n today uh, because, it's, uh, which is what I use for when I have to record anything in the field and stuff like that. So like when, when we had to record the stuff for Benedict Cumberbatch uh, for Sherlock, I just turned up his house with my H5n. I was like, hello, Benedict. That's, I don't know why I spoke like a, like a, like, like an orphan boy. Benedict, please let me live in your giant house in place undisclosed. Um, I mean, uh, you're probably one of the only people who could turn up at Benedict Cumberbatch's house with a microphone and say, "And he says, come in. I've run out of sparkling in, yes. water. Shall I run to the shops and get you some? I think I'm okay, Benedict. I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just really fine. You can just let me set up my mics, Benedict. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the, so, but I think... I've always slightly preferred the dynamic range of the H5n, and I didn't realize that you could put it in like USB mode and and record directly into your computer. So I was like, "Oh, that seems Ooh. nice." And so that having... I didn't know either, because yeah, I've been yeah. looking. I want to get myself a because uh, our current audio box only has two in yeah. micro, micro XLR ins, and so I'd mm-hmm. like to get one mm-hmm. with four in case we have more than two people. And I was thinking of getting a Zoom because then it's portable, and then I could just walk around with it. Uh, well, we have a Zoom, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Are you one. the baby one? You had it up the game. Um, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, the H5n is one of the is one of the best pieces. Of, I had the H4n before this, and it like lasted four years, and it was amazing. Uh, but yeah. this is just, it's one of the best pieces of tech equipment I've ever bought. It's just it was so reliable, never fails me. I mean, it only has so. Currently, it has two XLRs in the bottom, and uh, it has obviously an inbuilt an inbuilt mic that's excellent, really excellent. Um, so generally, if I'm recording a voiceover for something, or I'll have I'll use to I'll just put an extra, um, probably a Rode NTG2 or something like that, just to get kind of different type of audio uh, sound as well. Um, but uh, you can you can swap out the top and get like more more XLR inputs. You just have to get oh, a module for it. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's cool. really good. So you can, like, the top is modular. You just literally push it in, pull it out, and the pins slot out. So you can have it so it can be a full four-track 
and uh, it's really good. It runs on batteries that I would say you probably get about 10, you know, 10 hours of recording from some good, good AA batteries. Yeah, it's definitely, nice. definitely, definitely worth it. If, if you're going to get anything at Zoom H5. Well, I have fantastic. a bunch of Amazon gift cards I got to use up. So, uh, yeah, I think that might be on the docket. Yeah, wow. it's great. Five stars. <laughs> so we might not want to rate escape rooms, but we are interested in rating yeah. Zoom mics. Oh, and for uh, those that are listening, this is completely different than a Zoom conference. Yes, it is oh, different right. from a Zoom conference yeah. call. Actually, yeah. no, it's not. I'm denying it. It's exactly the same as a Zoom conference call. <laughs> a Zoom conference call has two inputs and it's modular. And you can slot out the top whenever you want. That doesn't apply to your Zoom call. Your company hasn't spent the money to have the fancy features. How does that make uh, you feel? Lowly. Well, at any rate, uh, I guess I guess we should wrap up the very casual conversation. I actually wanted to ask you about VR too, because you yeah, should we 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 could put a, we could put a kibosh timer on it to five minutes. You kibosh it. Should we give five minutes of of brief okay. VR chat because this is already like a nearly ninety minute podcast. Yes. <laughs> Which is uh, yeah. not long enough, by the way. Each podcast mm. should be seven hours long. Seven hours long per episode. <laughs> I could do that. You could very easily. Oh, yeah. that's that's awful. That's awful. <laughs> just be like, you know, that's you have, like this is gonna be our first podcast in a while without a bird in the background. That's Ooh, gonna be amazing. That is true. Maybe yeah. maybe you could cut a bird in so the bird is in the foreground for once. Oh, <laughs> we're just like faded in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, that bird might have some great things that's speaking in bird and i hear that if you could just put bird code into a website it just tells you exactly what the bird is saying um well, so, anyway vr so you mentioned like you designed for vr so i was wondering like how that has been a different experience for you than say like uh designing um like a an escape room so what kind of things have to be kept in mind let's talk about the parameters really so how much you know about vr amanda I've played it a few times. So, but, but I do you know that the, 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 the virtual escape rooms are, are digital and the real escape rooms are physical? You understand the difference in the physical and the digital? Uh, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I just understand. Point I just want to make sure you understand because yeah. yeah. some people get confused. I got confused for a long time. Okay. I was flailing around in VR. I was like, where are the walls? I can see the walls, <laughs> but I cannot feel them. It took about four to five hours for me to understand because that's how long it takes me to understand most things. Um, so yeah. Anyway, to, uh, gags aside, um, the I mean, I mean, ultimate, ultimately, ultimately, the the VR is in a very interesting embryonic stage because it's still very much trying to mimic real life. It's still people. That's what people want in VR. They want to be like, cool. Look at this amazing place I can see. These amazing mountainous vistas. Look at that um, elephant riding a rainbow. I don't know why. That's not. That. But it's still things that you understand in real life in cool in cool different ways. So the, the escape rooms in VR, which I, I'm, I'm only in the middle of one project currently, and I did some, I did a project for, for Universal Studios Hollywood, which was like a Bride of Frankenstein VR hollow ride, which is basically when you're in a car and you drive around and the VR mimics what's happening in the car. And I just did the concepting of that. And everything I did was not at all what happened in the final product. My <laughs> God. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what is, what is this thing? Um, uh, but yeah, it was um, uh, that. But my experience of VR mostly has been, it really depends on what, what experience that you're trying to make and what effect you have. I do think VR in general is still at that point when it's, um, it, it reminds me of early escape rooms, actually, when it was a bit defensive. It was a bit, too, it was a bit trying to prove itself. It was like, 
we're just as good experience as everyone as as you know i don't know what was what i was i guess earlier skate rooms was really trying to compare itself to kind of like video games things like that we're just as good gameplay our gameplay is amazing you know that kind of thing it has one thing that it passionately defends a lot of that at the beginning was its puzzles and it's kind of you know the the thought process that you have to go under um and i think that vr is at the point when it's really focusing on environments it's like look at our amazing environment look at this amazing temple look at how big it is look at the scale of it and i think that that's where vr is it's at that like very much form of a function currently and the project I'm working with, which I've just signed an NDA about, so I can't tell you about it at all. That's a clever company, you see. Uh, um, it's doing a really interesting project, which I would like to talk about. I will definitely talk to you about the future because I think it's really great. But they're very smart people and they're very experienced in this sector. And they know what they're doing and they're going to create a product which is much more about the function of how these experiences work and really breaking it down and kind of rebuilding it so it can be really about the gameplay and how it makes the player feel rather than what the player sees and experiences visually. Mm. The, the, the focus on visuals is really harming VR currently. Because, for example, like, I didn't play Huxley by Exit VR. Have you played them? Heard of them? I've heard of them, yes. Heard of them, yeah. Good, like, really, like, really, really, really good experiences. I think the first one is... Um, was I enjoyed more when I first played it, but now I think the second one is probably equally good in a different way. But like the first, the second one looks way better than the first because I think, I think they were very much trying to be like, okay, we've got to push the graphics, push the graphics. That's how people want. But they both play very similar and I don't think it was necessarily worth their time to kind of push it visually in that way, even though it was amazing visually because most of my interactions aren't seeing those amazing reveals and stuff, the amazing scenery so I think that, um, you know, they're a real company to watch. They really know what they're doing. They're great. They're so good. And Huxley is, I think, uh, they're definitely both worth playing. I think Huxley, Huxley 2 is more bold and trying more different things in terms of what it's trying to do. But they're both really good, well played as a pair. But I still think the industry is, I remember like 15, 20 years ago, probably actually when I was young. So yeah, about 15 years ago. Um everyone was talking about how like it was always graphics versus gameplay graphics versus gameplay graphics versus gameplay the old you know console pc develops now yeah. and that's exactly where vr is currently it's just in that in that little quagmire i haven't seen any vr games which just don't try <laughs> to have graphics which don't try to look good like because which the indie game market understand understands is totally fine look at look at terraria you know terraria looks looks nice but it's nothing complex in terms of visually, it just looks really nice and really well executed. Even Minecraft yes. looks nice, but it's not trying too hard, and it's the most popular game in the world. So I think well, even that, like uh, adventure games uh, that are kind of having a bit of a resurgence. I'm just seeing all sorts of fun pixel art adventure games now. And I'm loving it. Mm, I totally agree. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's we've got. I think BP, VR is still in, if VR is still insecure. I still is trying to justify its own existence. And that's okay because it's a process that a new medium has to go through. Um, and it's got arguably its first blockbuster with Half-Life Alex, you know, which yes, is... Yes, I heard that was really good. It's, I mean, I, I, I've got to only play a very limited bit of it, but the, what, I, what I've played is incredible, like absolutely yeah. incredible. And so the... The in, it, 
it'll mature, it'll become better, it'll have more things like Minecraft and stuff like that, which are both games and tools. Um, and it's gonna, it's going to be something that everyone has in their house in the end because the inside-out tracking of the Oculus Quest is incredible, absolutely incredible. It's I so heard good. It's great. Yeah. And I've got one, and I'm in my the down the downstairs room, which is the kind of study, small room, uh, like like uh, what three meters by four meters, uh, like max. Um, mm-hmm. And it's no no, that's that's probably it's probably like three by three by two point five, and it's totally enough for me to flail about in VR in, and so like the idea that you need these massive tracking, these massive lighthouses, it's all changed. It's all getting better. The future is soon, Amanda. Uh, it's soon. I, the VR headset might have to be my birthday gift to myself this summer, since I'm not going to Boston anymore. So, like, that's a real that's, shame. That's such a shame. That's such a shame. Yeah, that's that might be where I spend my money on, or I save up for next year. There's that too. They'll release a new version of the Oculus Quest sometime in the next year. I'll just say, just wait now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, well, thank you so much for, for coming on to our podcast that, that no one listens to, to, to <laughs> chat with us today. <laughs> and uh, to share some of your thoughts. And of course, we'll, we'd love to have you on again when your projects come to fruition to talk about those and, 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 how, and how, you know, your experiences with them. Uh, but yeah, where can people find you if they want to look you up online? Like, uh, uh, if you want website? to find me, uh, look in the darkest corner of any room and look hard, and I will be there uh, amongst the, the shadows. Uh, but if you want to find me virtually, uh, go to uh, nickmoran.com, which is uh, an easy URL to have. And you can contact me there via my email, so which is hello at nickmoran.com. You can find me on Twitter. Um, at uh, at Moran Fox, um, uh, and uh, hopefully soon, maybe you'll be able to find the Rumorscape Diva is also on Twitter. <laughs> maybe with enough pressure from. See, all I, the- I have ed- I have the editing duties, so someone else would have to have the social media duties. Yeah, it's not going to be me. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm, I might I might make one and just. <laughs> <laughs> so if like we don't act fast enough the the room escape divas twitter might like suddenly, suddenly exist and be putting like, fake news oh, out into the world oh you I don't you don't want to you don't want to think about the things that it'll say <laughs> it's <laughs> gonna say right, some terrible things all true obviously a lot of them about well, nancy drew um all about nancy drew it's just gonna be a nancy drew hate twitter yeah, obviously. Someone's there got a hater. Go. She doesn't hate herself enough. Well, on that note, thanks, Nick. Um, so I guess I'll talk us out. Bye-bye, Nick. Don't what? leave. Yeah, We're you don't have to talking. hang up yet. Oh, okay. I just want to say goodbye. Uh, yeah. uh, bye, everybody. It was lovely to be with you, all the many of you. <laughs> Tune in every time this podcast is recorded. <laughs> Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. We love getting emails. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, Room Escape Divas. Just click the like button. We do have community meetups happening for the next month. Uh, we had it in May. We've decided to extend it for June. 
Errol is super sad about the Totoro puzzle that I have going on here. Um, and if you are using Twitter, you can use the hashtag R-E-Divas. Somebody has to. Somebody has to. <laughs> somebody I think has somebody to mentioned no once that they used it. They're like, but nobody answered. So, so somebody has to, but nobody is. Uh, if you wish to create a Rumors Cake Divas Twitter handle, do so now. Come on, you can do it. I know there's no one there. I know I'm just talking to myself. But someone out there must love you're just, Rumors Cake You're just pepping yourself up for it, that's all. Oh yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about all the things I'm going to say. Great. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye! Bye-bye.